This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the Fox News radio studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hey, good morning. Uh, this is Jason Chaffetz, and uh, thanks so much for joining us. I'm filling in for Brian Kilmeade. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. You can go to briankilmeade.com, the call-in line, 866-408-7669, 7669. So uh, lots happening in the world, everything from Cuba to the Olympic, uh, new Olympic flag they're trying to put into place. We had... Major League Baseball uh, happened in last night. Of course, that happened in Denver, Colorado, as opposed to Atlanta, Georgia. Um, but I think uh, the the big topics people are talking about today, obviously what's going on in Cuba, a revolutionary-type moment, a potential for it at least, uh, that, that very well may happen. We're going to talk a lot about that today. Uh, but I want to kick things off and talk about what is actually going on um, with voting and voting rights, because you obviously had um, a big speech yesterday uh, by President Biden. Uh, I thought it was very it was just full of racist overtones and 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 allegations that uh, look, look personally, as I look at this, uh, I've studied this deeply. I wrote a book uh, called They Never Let a Crisis Go to Waste, The Truth About Disaster Liberalism. And we wrote a whole section uh, about voting rights because we knew that the Democrats had been planning for years to try to expand and change things. Don't think that this was some spontaneous reaction to what happened in the last election. Democrats have wanted to inject this power grab for a long, long time. They wanted to make some 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 changes and and they know they got to get their base and others really just infuriated to the point where not only is it Trump derangement syndrome, but they take on a whole lot of other things. Um, and uh, but I tell you, I, they've kind of lost their marbles here yesterday. And uh, um, I think they're pushing this far too far. They, the, the Supreme Court has has uh, ruled part of this um, in favor of what the Republicans were advocating, getting rid of making sure that there is no um, uh, ballot harvesting, somebody else going out and collecting other ballots. And then a radical idea that is, oh my goodness, you actually have to vote in the precinct that you're registered uh, in. Uh, that seems to be such a radical idea. And you hear a lot of platitudes. You hear a lot of highfalutin things saying all this criticism that is out there um, saying, hey, you know, um, it's it's a su suppression. It's voter suppression what the Republicans are doing. Oh, my goodness. Um, but they they usually lack the specificity that you need in order to understand that. So what did Joe Biden say yesterday? Let's listen to cut one. And then Tucker Carlson reacting last night on his show. There's an unfolding assault taking place in America today, an attempt to suppress and subvert the right to vote and fair and free elections. 
We're facing the most significant test of our democracy since the Civil War. That's not hyperbole. Since the Civil War. The Civil War? Sound overheated to you? Joe Biden would like you to know this is not hyperbole. Voter ID laws are literally like the Civil War. That is, habeas corpus suspended, state legislatures shut down, hundreds of thousands of Americans dead in fields. That was the Civil War. Biden made it clear that's what he meant. He said it twice. When was the last time a sitting American president gave a speech like this? Well, probably not since the 1860s during the actual Civil War. So it's hard to know how to process it. Even allowing for the dementia, it was a stunningly irresponsible thing for an American leader to say out loud, dangerous even. Yeah, pretty hard to argue with that, but we're going to bring in somebody who's got a real up-close and personal perspective, uh, Senator Marsha Blackburn from from Tennessee. I served with her in the House of Representatives. She's on the Senate Judiciary Committee and the Armed Services Committee. She's been fully ingrained in this and one of the hardest working senators we have up on Capitol Hill. So, Senator, thank you for joining us. I am delighted to join you. And, Jason, I have to tell you, this issue over what they're doing with election integrity and how they're trying to make it easier to cheat but a little bit harder to vote, and it should be the other way around. Law should make it easier to vote and harder to cheat, and we should preserve one person, one vote. But look at what they're doing. They want to institutionalize ballot harvesting. They want to do away with voter ID and 80% of the American public thinks that you should show an ID and prove that you are indeed who you are in order to cast that ballot. And what they're trying to do is federalize elections and take it away from your local election commission office, who has the responsibility for registering people to vote, cleaning up the voter rolls, actually getting the polling places and the precinct workers in order so that we carry out these elections on our election day. Yeah, you, it's such a radical idea, right, to have a <laughs> voter identification. I mean, come on. That's the, the thing that I see, the Democrats continue to criticize this and call it racist if you don't pass their bill. Um, but they don't, when they talk about Georgia, they talk about Texas, they talk about Arizona and the Supreme Court ruling that came out of that. They really don't dive into the specificity that you would need in order to understand, well, what exactly is their opposition to this? Well, and here is one of the things that we have to bear in mind. The Democrats had a grand plan for the 2020 elections because they never accepted President Donald Trump. So ballot harvesting, all of these things, that changing how you mail out ballots, sending everybody on the voter roll a ballot, those are things they put in place. What they had not planned for was people getting on social media and taking pictures of themselves with multiple ballots that had arrived at their home. Right. And then the stories of people going through neighborhoods trying to pay for or gather up ballots that were not used so that they could take those ballots and vote for that individual or in their name. That's why you had some communities with more people casting a ballot than were actually 
actually living in the community, or you had very high numbers of turnout in some areas, unprecedented. But what I have reminded so many people is this. We have to realize that, first of all, we have to beat back some of this of trying to make it easy to cheat in elections. And secondly, everybody should go to their local election commission and volunteer to work the poll, volunteer to help clean up the voter rolls, grab some registration forms, and register your friends and neighbors at your clubs and organizations and there in your community. Make certain that their voter roll IDs are up to date and that they are registered and that they get to the polls and cast their vote. Well, and Senator, I want to get your take on these Texas Democrats. Um, I thought the Babylon Bee, for those of you that are familiar with the Babylon Bee, it's a satire site. They they kind of hit it on the head when they, they put together a little parody and said, boy, other states are looking to Texas to figure out how they got the Democrats to flee their state. But um, kind of tongue in cheek. <laughs> but uh, let's listen to this montage of four of these Texas Democrats who fled their state and what they're saying they're trying to do. And I'm up here because I don't plan to be a sitting person in that legislature. I'm not going to be a sitting. No sitting duck. I'm not. A, I'm not. I'm not going to be a hostage. Texas Republicans don't want free and fair elections. We are not going to buckle to the big lie in the state of Texas. We are living right now on borrowed time in Texas. And we can't stay here indefinitely to run out the clock to stop Republican anti-voter bills. Boy, you got uh, Senator Chuck Schumer saying he stands behind them, that they, they are on the, the, the right side of history here. But, Senator Blackburn, what uh, what's your take on what they're saying? Because, again, I don't hear any specific criticism of any specific part of the law. They had no specific criticism for any part of the law. What they had was uh, an opportunity to have, as we call it in Tennessee, a little hissy fit. And they are acting like children who are taking their toys from the sandbox and are running away because they do not want to play with other children in the sandbox. Now, that is what it appears to be. I think that, and Jason, I have to tell you, people are looking at this and they're saying, how immature, how unprofessional, how silly, and why would you elect someone who is refusing to stand up for what they believe? And to actually go into the arena, if you will, and into the fight and fight for what they believe. All they are saying there is spouting platitudes that they have heard other people say and talk about being disenfranchised. Well, in Texas, they're giving an opportunity for in-person early vote. They're giving an opportunity to write in and get an absentee ballot. Uh, they are requiring identification. Uh, they want you to show up at, at in your precinct and vote yeah. things that are are really practical that lead to the security of of the ballot box. And what they are not doing is allowing wholesale mail out of ballots to everybody that is on any kind of state list. Let's say 
you are in some profession and you become registered in the state of Texas for that. Well, if they get their way and they're voting all these different, putting all these different um, databases into a Texas voter database, or maybe you're a kid in Oklahoma that goes to school in Texas, and then all of a sudden you find out you can vote in Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah, no, you're it, going to get ballots in two states. That is not preserving one person, one vote. That is preferencing people that are going to be on a database in other states and giving them the opportunity to vote to decide the outcome of an election where they do not live. Yeah, all you have to do is look to Iowa and how close that race was in that House seat to to recognize that every vote counts. Senator, I want to get your take, though, before I lose you here with the the timing uh, on Cuba. Uh, you've got a uh, bill that you're pushing that uh, you believe will will have an impact there. I want you to be able to talk about that. But give us your take on what's going on in, in Cuba and what should specifically, what should the United States policy be there? The uh, policy that we should have to Cuba is that we are going to stand with the Cuban people who are tired of 62 years of dictatorship that fully understand that socialism and communism has led to a lot of pain and suffering. These are people that are starving. They have no food. They have no electricity or water. They don't have a job. They are fighting for their freedom. And President Biden should go out there and be very resolute. We stand with the people of Cuba. And he should call out people like AOC and the squad who are part of the Democratic Socialist of America and say, no, we stand with the people of Cuba, not the government. And you're talking about the Open Technology Fund. This is something Senator Menendez and I had supported last year. And there is a tool, Siphon, that was developed by the Open Technology Fund. And what this does, Jason, is to allow people, when they're in a country where the Internet service has been cut off, they can utilize this tool to get to the Internet and communicate. And right now, we have 146,000 Cubans that we know of that are communicating and coordinating their work using this tool. Every once in a while, a federal government program works the way it was intended, and this is one of them. <laughs> well, Senator, appreciate your good work and hard work. I, I know personally, I've seen it up close and personal. You working hard. Uh, I, I can't think of anybody that works harder at, uh, at representing their state than, than you do there in Tennessee. So, Senator Marsha Blackburn, thank you for joining us today on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye-bye now. Thank you. All right. Uh, the Senator Blackburn on both uh, voting rights and what that means and also what's going on in Cuba. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. 
That's shopify.com slash system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Texas Democrats taking a major stand for voting rights. It is a dramatic yet effective move that the National Democratic Party would do well to try and pay attention to. Leaving their legislative chamber without a quorum was the last best thing they thought they could do to preserve voting rights there and try to defeat the Republican voter suppression bill. The Texas Democrats fighting back in the face of Republicans' very successful voter suppression drive. Texas Democrats fleeing their state in a last-ditch effort to block a restrictive new voting law as the GOP is pushing its assault on our most sacred right as Americans, the right to vote. Well, that's, uh, that's the, some of the media around the country uh, putting the political spin on as quickly and as thick as it can get uh, uh, as they talk about the voter laws, not only in Georgia, but now in Texas. Notice the lack of specificity. They can't really go after any specific thing, so they just call it suppression and try to scare people. But I got to tell you, it's part of the power grab that the Democrats are putting into place. Just listen to Newt Gingrich here, who was on Hannity last night, about what he feels like the Democrats are really doing. They are determined to use the power of the federal government. They're determined to destroy the American military by bringing wokeness in. They're determined to weaken the police while strengthening criminals. They're determined to use the Justice Department. They're determined to side with oligarchs in censoring Americans. I believe this is the greatest threat, domestic threat, not counting the Soviet Union or Nazi Germany, but the greatest domestic threat the United States has faced to freedom since the Civil War, and the threat is entirely in the Democratic Party. And it is a mortal threat, and if they get their way, if they can pass the Corrupt Politicians Act, you will see them steal everything they need to steal. That was Newt Gingrich, former Speaker of the House, on Hannity last night. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. 
um, with a stark warning about what the Democrats are trying to do in terms of voting. And what they really want to do is federalize this. They want to, you've heard them in the past talk about uh, wanting to pack the court and doing a host of other things, creating new states. Um, But if they want to move forward on H.R. 1 and what they're doing in the Senate and fundamentally change who votes, how they vote, um, it basically gives control to the Democrats and it is, they want to put themselves into power in perpetuity. And if you really digest and understand and look deeply into what that bill, what the Democrats are actually advocating, it really is a scary thing because I think you will then eventually see people who are not citizens who are voting. You are going to see major efforts to push the vote in a direction with ballot harvesting and things like that that are so fundamentally different than how we have approached voting. One person, one vote. Let's authenticate the vote. Make sure that we can get the right people. Um, Everybody who wants to vote, the ability to vote. Uh, This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Stay with us. We'll be right back. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, I'm Jason Chaffetz filling in for Brian Kilmeade. He needed a day to go tanning. You know, he, he, he just cherishes that tan and he had to take a special day to do that so we understand and hope he comes back tanner than ever back on the show uh listen uh we got a lot going on in the world we're thrilled to have the former secretary of state uh, mike pompeo uh joining us uh he was the director of the uh, cia he was a former congressman i was uh, honored and privileged to serve with him uh there in the united states congress he's also a fox news contributor secretary pompeo uh, thanks for joining us. Jason, it's great to be with you this morning. No, I really do appreciate it. You've got a unique perspective in the world, uh, particularly I want to jump right into to Cuba. But let's listen to Senator Marco Rubio from Florida as he talks about the uh, kind of lame response from the Biden administration thus far. Here's the bottom line. This administration's response has been lame. Yeah. It's been lame on this whole issue. Now, I wish they had as much passion or I wish they had half the passion that they have for going after Republican state legislatures and Republican governors and Republican members of Congress. I wish they had half the passion that they have against the Republicans that they do against uh, the the tyranny in Cuba. Just half. Not all of it. Just half. And right now we don't have it. And the reason why is because the person running Cuba policy for this administration is a supporter of engagement with the Castro regime. She has personally coordinated a bunch of visits to Cuba for members of Congress. She's even been hailed uh, in, in official state media and Cuba in the past as, a, as an enlightened figure. So, uh, Secretary Pompeo, what's your reaction to to uh, Marco Rubio's uh, perspective there? So I agree with him. That America, and this means now the Biden administration, needs to support the Cuban people, right? We need to, these people want freedom. It's not not trying to find a COVID test or a, a vaccine. They're, they're trying to get freedom for their kids for the next generation. This is what this fight is about. It's why they're out risking their lives in the streets. And uh, to hear Senator Rubio talk about the Biden administration being lame, the, the truth of the matter is, is that there is a significant piece of the Democrat Party who is sympathetic to the Cuban regime. But we saw this, right? Barack Obama went and watched a baseball game there. He, we, we were the ones that declared that they were state sponsors of terror. We recognize that they are trafficking narcotics around the world. I, 
I wonder what the administration is prepared to do if the Russians decide to come in and help them deliver vaccines, right? It'll some cover. Uh, this is a communist regime. They are as evil as any other communist regime has ever been. And the United States has always stood against communism and for freedom. And this administration simply has refused to take the serious steps needed to help the Cuban people gain the freedom that they so richly deserve. Well, here they are, less than 100 miles off our shore. Uh, you're right. I think one of the concerns is that the uh, somebody like the Russians would come in under the the cover of darkness, but under the guise of, of delivering vaccines or something like that. Well, why do you have any clue? I mean, it's kind of an unfair question because <laughs> like, why in the world would Joe Biden, the president of the United States, not just simply say communism is awful. It's suppressive. I mean, why not take this as an opportunity to inform people in the world our opposition to such a suppressive type of government. I think there's a couple things, Jason. This is, first of all, there's, there's a lot of intra-party, intra-Democrat party dynamics going on. Remember, Senator Sanders, too, has supported the Cuban regime. Uh, President Biden knows that there's going to be an election in 2022, and he's thinking about the complexities inside their party. If he makes a simple statement, that the, a very American statement that says communism is bad. It is evil. It oppresses. It denies religious freedom. It denies all the basic rights of human dignity that we all know that every human deserves. So it is a is a complicated thing. That's that's very telling, Jason. That inside the party, that is a fraught statement. You saw, you saw Jen Psaki, the spokesperson, struggle with making that same statement. For Americans, it should be simple. It should be very clear. Um, I think there's a second issue. I, I think this issue has China looming as well. If you begin to call them evil, if you if you acknowledge communism is evil, you are making a statement that is even broader than just the current opportunity in Cuba. You are talking about communist regimes around the world, and the administration isn't quite prepared to do what is needed to confront the Chinese Communist Party as well. And so I think it is a complex series of things that have made them say, "Oh, look, this is just about this is just about COVID, or this is this is just a little street protest about uh, you know unfair housing rules." It's nothing of the sort. This is about the Cuban people demanding freedom. We ought to help them get it. No, I saw the same thing play out, um, you know, when when Iranians were, were standing up and going to the streets. And, you know, the, the Obama administration was kind of silent on this sort of stuff. It, it just there seems to be a pattern here. And it, it didn't seem too difficult, I think, to call out communism. But evidently for this administration, it is. Um, I want to. Uh, it begs the question on what actions the United States should take. And I want to play this uh, clip, cut 16. Uh, Senator Graham, uh, the Republican from South Carolina, was on Hannity last night. Listen to what he had to say, and then I'd like to get your reaction to it. I will be introducing a Free Cuba Act that takes sanctions to a new level against the communist regime individually. I think we should put on the table cyber attacks against the regime who are using the cyberspace to suppress the Cuban people. I think we should be very aggressive in terms of regulating and controlling our backyard. I would send a signal to the Cuban government that we're not going to sit on the sideline, sidelines as you destroy people in our backyard. And we need to give voice to freedom. America is the symbol of freedom to most everybody in the world. To President Biden, where are you when the people of Cuba need you the most? Uh, Secretary Pompeo, what's your reaction to what Lindsey Graham, Senator Lindsey Graham, had to say there? So, Jason, I think those things all make good sense. I would support each of the actions he described. He, he hinted at one more, which is 
to help the Cuban people be able to communicate. There are ways that we have uh, there are ways that we have that we can help them do that. Communicate not only externally and send messages about what's going inside of Cuba out, but communicate and coordinate with each other. You'll remember the historic work that was done to help the Polish people communicate. Right. To build out solidarity. So there is a history of the United States doing really good work to help them use the tools that they have to communicate with each other and build out the power, the infrastructure they need to get the democracy and the freedom that they so richly deserve. Second, I I would make sure, too, that the Cubans understood that we were serious about this. And that means all kinds of things about how we conduct exercises in the region, all the things that make clear to other powers who may be thinking about interfering and denying the Cuban people their freedom, that we are prepared to do those in a way that protects American interests. This is a national security problem for the United States, in addition to a problem of making sure we secure freedom for the Cuban people. You know, in the past, Cuba has taken opportunities like this to send us the worst of their worst, uh, putting people on boats and sending them to the United States. Uh, We did hear uh, Secretary Mayorkas, uh, um, Homeland Security Secretary, tell Cubans not to come to the United States illegally. Um, And Senator Rubio is is asked uh, 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 President Biden to tell Cuba if they trigger a mass migration, they'd consider it an act of war. What is the right public policy prescription do you think here yeah senator ruby has it right um i was i was happy that that secretary mayorkas went out and made the statement talking to the cuban people trying to communicate saying don't don't come but more importantly it needs to tell the cuban government the the previous lifts that happened twice before where it was 1980 in the early 1990s 1994 when they decided that they would get america out by convincing us it was going to be too costly for us because they were going to send criminals and narcotics traffickers to, to the united states we should make clear to the Cuban government that's unacceptable. We will consider that a serious matter. And we will respond in a way that is commensurate with that attack on America and will protect American sovereignty. This administration hasn't been prepared to do that. Our southern border in the western part of the country, our Florida, a, a southern right. a, a southern border uh, with a 90-mile water gap, we need to do the same thing. Yeah, no, it, it's um, it, it's something that you take very seriously. Um, Governor DeSantis may need to get some of those National Guard troops back from the southwest border because <laughs> you may need them there in Florida. Uh, it's, uh, it's the federal government's responsibility, J- uh, Jason, as you know. President Biden needs to take responsibility and execute that. Well, and I, my take, my personal take, I just think this is what in part happens you have the perception of a weak President Biden. Uh, you have this spontaneous um, eruption. People are concerned about their freedom. They want liberty. They want they want the basic human rights that people can get. It's a whole new generation that's grown up in Cuba. I watch that video, and I see a lot of young people out there on the streets. These are people that they want freedom and liberty, and I think it's such a disservice for the Biden administration, some of these Democratic lawmakers to just say, well, you know, they're upset about COVID. And I, if that was the case, that probably would have happened a year and a half ago. But it's the suppression <laughs> of communism. No, it's it's remarkable, Jason, to see these people who are in desperate situation. They're in a desperate, desperate situation because of what socialism and communists have done everywhere and always. Uh, you know, they've tried to suggest that somehow American sanctions. We sanctioned the heck out of the Cuban regime. We put real pressure on the communist leaders there, but their des- their despair, their difficult situations are directly tied to that leadership. The kleptocrats, if money is sent in, if food's sent in, they take it for themselves and then resell it if they need to to generate hard currency. You know, I'll say this too, Jason, about weakness. 
Weakness is a global phenomenon. When the whole world senses that the United States is not prepared to defend its own interests, they'll take action. You, you see them in lots of places. Yesterday, Vladimir Putin made a statement about Ukraine saying, well, we're all just kind of the same people, suggesting somehow that he was beginning to prepare to do what he did in Crimea, right, taking one-fifth of Ukraine. America's leadership, our capacity to deter bad actors around the world depends on Americans who are tough and serious and are prepared to so set out the things that matter to us and then defend them. Yeah, uh, a- absolutely. The, Ronald Reagan's adage of peace through strength, um, it, it, it really does make the world a safer place. Um, one of the safest times in our history, I think, was when Ronald Reagan was president. And it was tumultuous. It was difficult with with uh, with the Soviet Union, but his peace through strength and the perception that yeah he would actually take action to defend the United States of America made all the difference in the world. Um, Mr. Secretary, I gotta I gotta change gears here because we do had some domestic news here where the uh, evidently some Iranians were uh, trying to kidnap a U.S. journalist. I don't know if. To what degree you can comment on this, but um, four have been charged and want to get your, your perception of what's happening here. So here's what I can say. This is a long-term program that the Iranians have had. You remember when they tried to uh, kill the Saudi, the Saudi ambassador to the United States yeah, at a yes. restaurant in Washington, D.C. The, their assassination program in Europe has continued. It, uh, the, the Belgians pulled someone uh, last year, the Germans a few years before that. This is an Iranian regime that doesn't value life. It's a theocracy. We, we, we know this, and yet the United States today is sitting at the table with these thugs who are trying to take out dissidents inside our own country. We're negotiating with them over some really bad nuclear deal to give them 10-year pathway to a nuclear weapon. This is an enormous mistake. We know who this regime is. We saw who they now have as their new president, a man with enormous blood on his hands. Uh, this is another example. What's happening here in the United States is another example of the risk that Iran presents right here at home. Well, I, yes. I mean, we could spend hours just talking about Iranian policy, but um, it, it does show who these people are when they are trying to take out this female um, uh, activist who is just, you know, condemns the vote to add Iran to the UN. I mean, they're putting Iran into the UN Women's Commission. It's like, it's just unbelievable that they, they would actually try to do this. Um, yeah, Jason, they're, they're sending a message too, Jason, as you can well imagine, right? To every person in the Iranian diaspora here in the United States, great people all throughout the United States, some of whom had to flee after 1979, after the revolution, they're sending a message. Be careful what you say. Be careful who you talk to. Be careful the work that you engage in helping support the Iranian people and their freedom because we can reach you. We'll come find you. It doesn't matter where you are. Even if you're in the United States, we can come reach you. Yeah, it is a scary, scary notion. Um, all right, Mr. Secretary, i got to get to your, your last comment here about this Axios uh, report. I'm sure you've seen it about uh, really taking a pot shot at the State Department that you ran uh, there. Do you care to comment on that one? <laughs> you know, if I commented on every silly statement from Politico or whomever, I'd spend all my time doing that. We, we ran an operation that valued our officials at the State Department. We wanted them to do what President Trump and I wanted them to do. When they didn't do that, we held them accountable. And when they did, we gave them all the capacity to do their jobs in the way that American diplomats should act. So um, I'm, I'm proud of the work we did there. I think we built up an enormous set of understandings. I brought swagger back to the State Department. I'm really proud of that work. 
Well, look, I got to tell you, with President Trump at the helm and uh, you as the Secretary of State, I do believe the world was a much, much safer place. I think one of the great misfortunes of the 2020 election is that they got rid of that third debate because I think the contrast of Donald Trump versus Joe Biden talking about foreign policy, what Donald Trump was able to accomplish, uh, bringing home hostages from around the world, the safety that we've had on multiple fronts, uh, the, the, the strengthening of our United States military, all those things moving in the right direction. And I think history, if it were accurate, would be very kind to both you and to, um, and, and to President Trump because there was some great work there. Jason, thank you. I appreciate that. Listen, we're, we're thrilled to have uh, Mike Pompeo, the former Secretary of State, former Director of the CIA. Um, I actually have a podcast. It's called Jason in the House. Jason in the House. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, new out this morning, uh, we dive deep into this podcast and a much deeper dive into the background of Mike Pompeo. So have a listen if you, I think you're going to be fascinated about this man's history and how he became who he became and what informs him and uh, it was a great time to chat with you on that podcast. Again, go to Jason in the house, and I think you really enjoyed it. So thanks for joining us on the podcast, but also thank you for joining us here today. Mike Pompeo. All right. Uh, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's BrianKilmeadShow.com. I'm Jason Chaffetz. We'll be back with more. Hang in there with us. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on the Brian Kilmeade Show. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, I'm Jason Chaffetz filling in for Brian Kilmeade, who's out working on the tan today. Good for him. Um, I want to talk about Chick-fil-A because, boy, you just leave it. Leave it to those New York State uh, lawmakers. Um, like, they don't have enough going on in New York, right? All the things. Think of all the things that are going on in New York. Some lawmakers took it upon themselves to say, hey, there shouldn't be a Chick-fil-A um on some of these exits there on the freeways in tech in in uh, new york the new york state thruway authority is spending 450 million dollars to renovate 27 ser- uh, service areas but they seem to think that chick-fil-a's politics are just too much so hey no chick-fil-a are you kidding chick-fil-a's got to be one of the most popular things out there have you ever driven by a chick-fil-a and not seen a line of people ready to get those chicken sandwiches or the the waffle fries come on chick-fil-a put out a statement said chick-fil-a is excited about the partnership and the opportunity to further serve the residents of new york we want to be clear that chick-fil-a does not have a political or social agenda and we welcome everyone in our restaurants full stop like Come on, they just serve chicken and they happen to make some of the very best chicken in this country and they do it with a smile on their face. They're happy, they're excited. They, they make some great diet lemonade. The, the regular lemonade's pretty good too. But come on, New York, all the things you got going on in the world, you gotta go out and try to ban Chick-fil-A? That is just not the American way. So uh, next time you see a Chick-fil-A, just think of those New York lawmakers saying, oh, we don't want any of that here. Like, they don't have anything else to work on and do. 
Ay, ay, ay. Come on, people. This is the United States of America. If you don't like Chick-fil-A, then don't eat their sandwiches. But I like them. I'll eat my fair share. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Almost Brian Kilmeade. I'm Jason Chaffetz filling in for Brian. He's got a tanning day. So, hey, we're glad to be here. Thrilled and honored that he'd let me have this microphone for a little bit. We've got a a great show. Lots of great guests. We're going to bring in right away, though, uh, one of my favorites, uh, Burgess Owens. He's the congressman from Utah's 4th Congressional District. I I used to be, once upon a time, the congressman from Utah's 3rd Congressional District. But he's now serving on a committee I used to serve on, the House Judiciary Committee. Uh, he's also on the Education Committee. Uh, you probably best know Burgess Owens. Oh, he spent a lot of time on Fox talking about uh, politics and whatnot. But, you know, he did play a good decade there in the NFL and was one of the best uh, best players out there and earning his Super Bowl ring. So Please help us all welcome Burgess uh, Owens, Congressman Burgess Owens. Thanks for joining us today. Jason, my pleasure, my friend. A pleasure talking with you. Looking forward to this conversation for sure. Well, there's there's lots to talk about, and I, I want to get right after it because, you know, we had something happen here in Utah um, on July 4th that really surprised me. I, I just – it was kind of out from left field and – I hated to see it, quite frankly, because the Black Lives Matter Utah chapter uh, managed to make um, some noise here. Um, and listen to the statement from what she said. Again, this is Black Lives Matter Utah chapter. She said, when we black Americans see the this flag, she's talking about the American flag, we know that the person flying it is not safe to be around. When we see the flag, we know the person flying it is a racist when we see the flag, we know that the person flying it lives in a different America than we do. When we see this flag, we question your intelligence. We know to avoid you. It's a symbol of hatred. Burgess, uh, you live in Utah. I live in Utah. I fly the American flag, and I'm pretty sure that you fly the American flag. What's your reaction yeah. to this Black Lives Matter Utah chapter president? Wow. This is uh, this unfortunate is what's happened over the, over the last couple of decades where we have in our school system uh, this this nonsense being taught. You know, Jason, I was very very fortunate to grow up in the Deep South in the '60s, uh, raised by a dad who, who was a World War II vet, who taught us very simply to love God, country, family, respect for women, and moral authority. And that's what our country was always built upon, and that's why we became such a a good and embraceive country. I mean, the the the, the changes we've had over the last few years is remarkable. The things we do today, together. We don't think about race until the last two years, uh, and, and we have a, 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 an ideology that wants to divide us by doing just that. And I'll say this. One of the things that, that I do know, I know my history, I know that America has always um, uh, re- uh, revered 
black uh, black patriots, black heroes. All you have to do is go to the National Archives. Go to, go to D.C. Look at look, go up the internet and you start to see what white historians for 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 literally over centuries have have done to keep uh, uh, success of black Americans out there. The true systemic racism is the, the national uh, educational system, the, the, the system that's been run by Democrats for decades that purposely scrub our history of good people across the board, black Americans, Hispanic Americans, to show what we do, have done together. So that's what we have to do is get back to our history, learn what, we, what we've done together, and be proud of, of our ancestors. Not perfect, because we we're not perfect either, but they, they, they did our best to bring the best country in the history of mankind to, to, to allow us to live in right now. So when you see the flag... Uh, what, do, what do you think of? <laughs> it's, it's interesting because uh, I can remember standing on the sidelines in the 60s, the 70s and the 80s, uh, hearing that anthem and seeing the flag and just thinking, I cannot believe I'm standing here getting ready to go out and play a game, getting teary-eyed, because we were taught to love our country. We are taught to love and appreciate the blessings we have here. Uh, what we have, unfortunately, is an ideology that is against everything I just mentioned. I mentioned God, country, family, uh, respect for women, authority. The cultural Marxists are against every single part of that. All you have to do is go to go to any any um, urban community where they control, they run things. You see misery, you see anger, you see hatred, you see racism. What you heard from that young lady. I don't say young lady. You heard from that that the the the, the person that's overseeing uh, Black Lives Matter is racism. When you start judging people based on their color, period, it's racist. I don't care what color you are. If you look that way, you're a miserable person, and you will. Uh, I, I tell you, it's, it's a miserable place of going away, go to life. That's that's not our country. We we look at inside out, not outside in. So uh, it's unfortunate we have people that are that are doing that, but we can stand up against it. Make sure our kids are not taught to be racist, and uh, and and we'll be in much better much better shape to say the least. Yeah, I, I these comments go beyond just being unfortunate. They they seek to divide our country and um and and create I I thought the one symbol, the one thing that we have in this country that does unite us is the red, white and blue. In fact, it was even Barack Obama who said, "We're not the red states or the blue states, we're the United States." And even I thought, you know, that's a great that's the that's the way to look at it. But boy, yeah. the sea change that has happened is just so wrong. And now I look at what uh, Sean Hannity was able to to uncover really about how the U.S. Olympic Committee is was actually considering changing the flag and our logo for the United States Olympic Committee. I, I, yeah. That's just unbelievable hey, we're, we're, to me. It's a full-throat attack, uh, Jason. It really is. What we understand is the most powerful three words in the history of mankind is we the people. Because what we the people do, no matter, even though we might disagree on many different things, we have a few things we can agree on that we fight for, uh, God, country, our sports, our teams. You know, these are times where we come together before the political thing became, became part of it, before they start having uh, uh, these, uh, these elitists change the way we even look at sports. We go there, we forget everything else, and we can truly high-five each other and see each other pass our politics because we have something else in common. That commonality of a being American is something we cannot ever allow the left to, 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 uh, to have us lose. So we need to fight for it, uh, realize those things that keep us together, God, country, our family, our society, our sports, those things that, that allow us to pass our differences is what we have to make sure we fight for and do not let the left change us in those ways. I hope I have a, just a minute. Just, I wanted just to share this one thing with you, Jason. Sure. Uh, history. History is so important. A lot of people out there don't know this, 
But the first man who died for the cause of freedom, the martyr for the cause of freedom, was a black man, Christmas Addis. The very last battle, this was Revolutionary War, the Boston Massacre, he had enough respect for his leadership. He was a, sons of, sons of, a member of the Sons of Liberty. He had enough respect from the people around him that white historians, we will never lose him in, in, in the annals of history. The very last, the last battle we fought uh, at Yorktown was success, successful because of a black um, spy. His name was uh, James Armistead. He had the trust of, of George Washington. He got the information that George Washington needed to win that battle, and that battle ended up was the last one that we needed to, to win the war. If you go through history, you have uh, uh, Henry Ford and, and George Washington Carver in the 1930s and 40s, extremely good friends. Uh, Henry Ford tried to, 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 uh, to hire uh, uh, George Washington Carver for a million dollars. He turned it down because he had such a commitment to Tuskegee and the people in the South. But they were very good friends, and they, they, I mean, the things, that, the th things like this that we're not hearing about, the scrubbed, because if you learn this history, you recognize we have a lot to be proud of. And the black community is not a, a group of hapless, hopeless people waiting for white people to, 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 to uh, let, us, let us be free. We were not oppressed. We were competing. I grew up in a time when my community led our country to growth in the middle class. Men matriculate from, from, uh, from college. Men committed to marriage and percentage of entrepreneurs. That's the American way, and anybody can do it if we decide that this is a great country and overcome the obstacles we all face. That's, what we have, that's what it really comes down no, to. I'll tell you, it, it, we're talking to Burgess Owens, who's a congressman now from Utah, played uh, you know, for the in the uh, NFL for a, a number of years, uh, has a Super Bowl ring. But you offer an, a, a great perspective, and I think you're you're demonstrating just why the people of Utah gravitated to you and, and voted you into office and actually displaced the Democrat that was sitting there. And in, in, uh, but I I want to go back to this uh, this uh, changing of the flag because. It's gone above and beyond just a couple radical people here. For the, the Olympic Committee to be able to even consider this is offensive to a lot of people. I want you to listen to what Gary Hall Sr., he was a three-time Olympic medalist back in his day. He was a swimmer. Listen to what he said on Hannity last night about what it means to him. The greatest honor of my life was in Montreal in 1976 when I was selected to carry the American flag for the U.S. Olympic team leading into Montreal Stadium. And the American flag is iconic. Um, it's, it, it doesn't just represent the greatest country in the world. It represents and symbolizes millions of Americans who have worked hard, who have <laughs> sacrificed, some of them with, with their own lives. I mean, Gary has a cousin, uh, my nephew, who gave his life as a Navy SEAL five years ago in Iraq for our country. Um, that American flag means so much. No one has the right to change that other than U.S. Congress. And to me, it's disrespectful to even consider changing the American flag. What are your thoughts on that? No, spot on. Um, you know, and what we have to understand is, again, what we're fighting up against, I'm call it cultural Marxism. Uh, these are cowards and bullies. Uh, these, are, these are people who, who hide out in, in colleges where nobody can fire them with tenure. They hide out uh, in right. bureaucracies where nobody knows who they are. Uh, and then they, they get in positions where they change the livelihood of millions of people who, have, who don't even don't, don't know who they are. Uh, I, what I love about what's happening right now, Jason, is we're seeing it 
firsthand. The, 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 the upside of 2020 is parents now are seeing what CRT looks like. We're seeing what our kids have been taught, where we trusted these people. Now realizing those people think that our kids are their kids, that they're they're able to to uh, uh, to to put into their minds their thoughts as opposed to the American way. I, I love what we're doing right now. By the way, just so you know, the first uh, Medal of Honor, a black American of Honor person, uh, mm-hmm. was in Civil War, someone who picked up the flag uh, in the battle. He, 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 he ran the, the, the flag back to, the, to, to where uh, his forces were, and uh, he said, my, my friends, uh, this, flag, this flag never touched the ground. I was taught that, by the way. You do not yeah. let the, our flag touch the ground uh, because it's desecrated. I was taught that by a World War II vet, my dad, and that's the way our flag has always been looked at, revered. And, uh, and we're going to get back to that because we're, we're going to get these bullies and cowards who hide behind our school system to teach our kids, attack our kids. We can get them out of there. Uh, go and teach someplace else or, or get your, your funds from someplace else. We don't need to be paying um, uh, good taxpayer dollars to have our kids to hate our country. So now that we're aware of it, we're going to wake up, we're going to get a Congress in place in 18 months, going to start looking at this and making changes. And listen, if they want to make their bucks, uh, 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 you know, they can, they can make all the money they want to, as long as it's not the, 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 the taxpayer dollars that's paying to, 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 indoctrinate, to indoctrinate our kids. Yeah, you know, I, I think the American people are tired of having um, – so many of these issues injected into every aspect of the life, entertainment, sports, those types of things. And they, yet they choose these sporting events to, to highlight some of their policy prescriptions and their contrast and do things that divide us along the way. I, I want to get your take, um, particularly, you know, with your athletic background, being in the NFL for so long, um, I want to get your take on what Michael Andrew is going through because he's the swimmer who's uh, an exceptional swimmer, going to be on the U.S. Olympic team. But he has said, look, I am not taking the vaccine. And as an American, that's my choice. And you shouldn't deny me the ability to actually um, you know, be on the team because I'd choose not to take the vaccine. Listen to it in his own, own words. He was on with Varney yesterday. I've not taken the vaccine, and I won't. Um, and the reason being, I'm an elite athlete. I everything we take and put in our body is very calculated. Um, you know, with with the period going into Olympic trials, I didn't want to risk any time out of the pool. And the fact that the uh, effectiveness of the vaccine is lower than the risk of me getting COVID, I just realized it wasn't quite necessary and wasn't smart on my part um, in terms of preparation going into the games. What are your thoughts on that? You know what I love about uh, – again, I haven't been keeping up with the swing, swing part. I don't know what kind of athlete he is. I love his courage. And, Jason, that's what we have to get back to. Um, we should not be the country that allows anyone to dictate the mandate to force us to do anything against our will, particularly taking things into our bodies. Um, uh, you know, we're a country of freedom. And there's consequences that come with freedom. Of course, we there. You know, there's a downside of of getting sick, <clears throat> but that's a choice we should make. And um, and and you know, we, well, we yeah, won't, I won't get into all, all the details. But at the end of the day, it's all about freedom. And I love that that young man being as young as he is, standing for as strong as he is, and being willing to give up what he's willing to give up to stand yeah, he's for. A, for his he's right. a young man, and the odds of him actually conducting uh, contracting COVID are low. And if he did get it, it probably wouldn't be that severe. So he chooses exactly. as an Olympic athlete going into the trials. I don't want to put something in my body. Good for him. So listen, I, 
Congressman Burgess Owens, I think you're you're, uh, you're I really do appreciate you joining us today on the Brian Kilmeade show. I've got I'm fascinated. I could talk to you for hours about so many things <laughs> and pick your brain on the history of this country. But thanks again for joining us today on the Brian Kilmeade show. We'll be hey, right back. Thanks so much, my friend. Let's do it again. Take care. We'll do. Take care. We'll be right back. A radio show of the people for the people. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From his mouth to to your ears, ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Well, actually, it's Jason Chaffetz. I'm filling in for Brian Kilmeade. I love that Kid Rock song and the intro here. Um, I, we just heard from Burgess Owens. Uh, is one of my favorites. Now, I have a podcast. It's called Jason in the House. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, go to Jason in the House. The new one that's up is with uh, Secretary Mike Pompeo. But I did one with Burgess Owens, and I really learned a lot about him. Look, I was the congressman in Utah's 3rd Congressional District. He's now the congressman in the 4th Congressional District, adjacent to each other. He has an amazing story where he grew up in Florida, um, but he found out he was pretty good at football, enough so that he played, I think, 10 years or so in the NFL. Uh, Has a Super Bowl ring from his time with the Oakland Raiders, um, and also you know, played for the New York Jets. But he tells this compelling story about how he entered the business world after the NFL. And quite frankly, he lost it all. And he ended up having to do what he needed to do to fund his, the, the needs of his family with his wife and kids. And he was uh, ended up being a chimney sweep. And he tells a story about having to go up and be a chimney sweep. And somebody recognized him, said, hey, didn't you play for the New York Jets? And then you can you can think, wow, what an obviously humbling moment. But he worked hard. He worked smart. He kept after it. Eventually took a job that drove him and brought him to Utah. And I, I want to make a little note about Utah. You know, there's a lot of criticism that, hey, you know, everybody's racist and this, that, and the other. Utah, um, I, the African-American population in Utah, probably less than 5%. I'd have to check it, but it's a very small percentage. But we elected uh, Mia Love to serve in the United States Congress. We elected Burgess Owens to serve in the United States Congress. It's because they were the best at their ideas and their principles, and they could articulate them, and they could share them in a way that was better than anybody else that was running, and most of the people that were running against them were white, quite frankly. So when I hear people say that Utah or America is racist and that – I look at Mia Love, I look at Burgess Owens and say, no, I don't think so. I think we're past that. I think the Democrats are living in an age from a long, long time ago and that they benefit politically by trying to divide us and trying to tell us that a certain segment of our population is racist and that we're homophobic and all that other stuff. No, we get along pretty well here. We elect the people that best represent us based on their ideas, not their skin color. That's the way it should be. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Stay with us. We'll be right back. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, I'm Jason Chaffetz. I'm filling in for Brian Kilmeade. It's an honor and privilege to be here. I thank him for entrusting me. And 
Ah, uh, boy, we've had a great show. He just the staff here it makes this thing easy. I mean, I got some things to do, but the staff at the Kill Me Show, I'm just telling you, has their act together, and it makes it a lot easier for a for a somewhat newbie on this show to to deal with it. So thanks to them for that. Um, but it also we've had some really A level. A-list guest, and the next person I'm excited to bring on is Congresswoman Ashley Hinson. She's a rising star in the Republican Party, uh, the Congresswoman from Iowa's uh, first congressional district, and uh, I got to know her on the road. Uh, I went out, actually helped at a political event with her, and uh, she, like I said, is a rising star in the party. So welcome, Ashley Hinson. Good to be with you, Jason. How's it going today? Oh, we're fired up. There's so many things that are going on in the world, but I got to tell you, um, you, from my perspective, you're just the kind of person that the Congress needs because, you know, certain people have certain backgrounds and it's interesting when you get to the floor of the house because, you know, 435 members, it really is a cross section of America, but Mm -hmm. you have this wonderful, beautiful family. You didn't really need to do this, um, but you're out there. And I just want to get a quick word from you. How different is it six months in from what you thought it was going to be? Well, you know, I think ultimately you mentioned my family and I ran because of them in the first place. You know, my my sons, Max and Jack, so the reason why I did this job and wanted to do this job, because um, I think it was an incredibly important time to step up and run. And I, I would say that six months in, Jason, um, I think that's even more true now more than ever um, with what we've seen come out of the Democrats in control of Congress right now. Um, you've got increasing crime, increasing inflation, a budget, a budget crisis and a border crisis. So, um, you know, I think right now it's really important to have common sense at the table. And that's what I ran on. And that's what I'm trying to deliver on here in Congress as well. Well, you know, this is so fascinating because I was looking at this freshman class and, you know, myself, I served for eight and a half years. I came in in 2008 when Barack Obama was elected and Nancy Pelosi and all that. And, I, you know, when I saw this freshman class came in and I thought, you know, what, don't don't worry. It's not always like this. And then but now I look at the last six months, I think, well, it's kind of a new normal in a bad, bad way, at least the way Congress operates. The idea that you have fencing around the Capitol and all these crazy things going on. And I just appreciate your willingness to serve. Yeah, well, it's as I mentioned, it's just a really important time to fight, not only on those issues, but, you know, some of these ideas that are coming out and um, being proposed. I mean, it's just it's important to, to call those out when they're when they're bad for Iowa, when they're bad for America. And that's what I'm trying to do. And um, I, I think it's really important to have common sense telling those stories. Um, I said it time and time again. I'm the mom with the minivan. And um, so I'm trying to make sure that we uh, level things out here and come back to center. And um, and, you know, we've seen the proposed spending, you know, you talk about what happened under the Obama administration. I mean, that's just magnified here. We have seven trillion dollars in proposed spending, and there's no way they're going to pay for it except to, to put that on the backs of hardworking Americans. Yeah, no, it is crazy. And you really are the mom with the minivan because um, I, I was in a car <laughs> and I was following you and we actually drove to your house. And you really are a mom with the minivan. That's not just like some weird slogan. That somebody oh, yeah. came up I hit 175,000 miles last week when I was home. So um, that baby keeps on chugging. And um, I, I think it'll make it through another cycle. We're hopeful. But um, no, I put 60,000 miles on it driving through my district because I think it's important um, to listen to everyone in your district. And that's what I did. And um, and that's what I'm continuing to do serving in Congress. Well, um, look, I, I, let's dive into some of these issues because there are some crazy things that are out there. And people, 
like Rashida Talib that are advocating some crazy things. If we go to cut 19, um, you know, the one place she wants to cut some spending, um, I don't know that most people agree with. Listen to her quote on what she wants to see done. We must eliminate funding for CPB, ICE, and their parent organization, DHS. These agencies are inept uh, to humanely guiding migrants through our immigration system and further continue, instead, they further continue to terrorize migrant communities. Wow, that's a pretty radical idea. What's your take on it? Yeah. Well, and what a slap in the face to the men and women who are there at the border keeping our country safe every day. Um, they, um, I had a chance to, to witness that firsthand on a recent trip um, to the border. I saw them working with these, these people who are coming to our country trying to seek a better life. And um, they are working hard to not only keep our country safe, but to make sure they're addressing this humanitarian crisis at the border, which is getting worse by the day, um, even though our, uh, you know, this current administration continues to ignore it. Um, so the conditions that they're facing... Um, you know, they don't have the manpower, or the tools to handle the surge. Um, the cartels are emboldened. Um, and, you know, I think it's 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 terrifying to me that you have this group of people who wants to, to undercut the people who are trying to keep our country safe right now. That's their response to this crisis and the wrong time to cut off those resources, in my opinion. And um, just yesterday in the Appropriations Committee markup, I actually offered a an amendment that would have returned our, our border policies and our enforcement policies to what, the way they were before February 18th, where a, a memo went out saying, hey, we're only going to arrest people, but only, only under these specific circumstances. So um, the squad is saying it, but the administration is also kind of supporting that by, um, by changing their policies and, and weakening uh, the ability of our ICE agents to do their jobs. Uh, ICE agents are being handcuffed in a time when they should be handcuffing the bad people who are coming across the border. Well, and that's the point, right, is that ICE, Immigration Customs Enforcement, is really going after the criminal element within the illegal immigrant uh, population. They're the ones that are actually protecting them from, they're protecting all of us, including the people that might be here illegally but aren't committing other crimes. They they try to get the people out that are raping people, that are, you know, the list having DUIs, you know, all of these things, that's what they're focused on. Uh, look, I know that you wrote an op-ed. Uh, again, we're talking to Ashley Hinson, the congresswoman from uh, Iowa. Uh, but you wrote an op-ed in the Washington Examiner if people want to want to look at that. But I got to segue, if I can, while we got you for this short amount of time, and talk about the, uh, the excessive spending that's going on. Listen to this. Uh, it's Cut 24, Representative uh, Kevin McCarthy, the minority leader, talking about this on special report last night. There's a major difference between the idea of spending a trillion dollars on infrastructure and spending six trillion. There's a difference when they came forward where we did bills bipartisan when they took the majority of the Democrats and they did a partisan COVID bill with only 9% going with COVID. You've got a result from the past bipartisan bills. You've got three vaccines. That's what we spent money on. Now what you're watching the Democrats do is pay more money for people to stay home from working instead of going back. You've watched what they called it a COVID bill with less than 9% going for it. You watched them talk about an infrastructure bill that less than 10% goes to infrastructure. And it's not about roads, bridges, or highways. This is excess spending that is spiraling us into inflation. What do you, what's your take on that? 
Absolutely. I mean, we're seeing that, that price at the pump, the price our families are paying at the grocery store. Inflation's a tax, and um, that's exactly what we're seeing because the Democrats have doubled down on this big spending agenda. And, um, you know, when I look at what, why it's a really crucial time to be calling that out, it's because um, Leader McCarthy was spot on in, in highlighting, for example, the spending bill um, that was masquerading as COVID relief. Um, you had checks going to prisoners and billions of dollars going to blue states that can't manage their budgets already. Now those blue states are sending checks to their people with Iowa's tax dollars. I mean, that's the, the way I see it is just, um, you know, it's a fundamental uh, philosophical difference in how they want to, to grow government. They want more of the heavy hands of government in every aspect of our lives every day. And um, I think I, I coined the term more fluff and free stuff after President Biden's address to the joint session of Congress a few months ago, because that's what um, they fundamentally want to see. And um, so I think um, it's it's our job to tell this story of freedom and opportunity, of getting government out of the way so that American ingenuity can take over and, and Americans can do what they want and have the freedom to do what they want. Um, and, and instead, we're seeing this um, trillions and trillions of dollars of the spending spigot on the backs of hardworking taxpayers. You know, the stunning number, we had to wait till the dust settles and we see what's going to happen in terms of what is the total amount that the Democrats, because they control the House, the Senate, and the presidency, uh, what is the total amount they're going to spend? And look, I've been highly critical of of Republicans in the past because we, as a party, seem to be, you know, they had only been concerned about the debt and deficit, it seems like, you know, when we're in the minority. But but something's got to change here because when the federal government is going to spend roughly 25% or one out of every $4 spent in this country... If you're going to spend 25% of our gross domestic product, that is far too much. And inflation is going to kick in. What are you seeing in Iowa? What are you hearing from your neighbors and people you represent in Iowa's first congressional district? Inflation inflation is very real, and it hits lower income or fixed income people harder than ever. Absolutely, because those pennies, those pennies extra that you're paying for everything, it does add up. And, you know, I'm working hard to make sure as a mom that my boys understand the value of a dollar. Um, I can tell you when I was filling up that minivan a few weeks ago, uh, my boys were out and we were looking at the gas prices. I was explaining to them um, what was happening. And um, the gas prices are higher than they've been since my youngest was in diapers. So I think that um, it's a really strong message for us to be out there saying this is hitting Iowans in their pocketbooks. And again, inflation is a tax, especially on the hardworking middle class. Um, Families are, you know, coming out of a pandemic. Um, They've had a rough year, and this is really a one-two punch for them. Um, as people are trying to get back to normal. So um, I think, again, we need to continue to shine a spotlight on this. Um, You can't borrow your way into prosperity. And I do agree, both sides have failed on this issue over the the decades that this spending has become a problem and compounded. Um, So I think it's my job to try to uh, be a a voice of reason and, and again, advocate for responsible spending and good congressional oversight, which, as you know, um, is Congress's main job, Jason, and um, Congress needs to clearly do a better job um, making sure we're not only authorizing programs but funding them appropriately and then conducting the oversight necessary yeah and you have not yet experienced regular order um nor did i um because (laughs) since the 1974 budget act only one time in our nation's history and throughout that time have they actually gone through quote-unquote regular order and so when you pass these continuing resolutions omnibus bills um, or reconciliation packages uh, that, that it's just yes or no, you know, four right. trillion dollars. I mean, it's just it's obscene. 
um, and something needs well, to change. Well, it's not monopoly there. money, right? I mean, that's really what no. it comes down to is I know Iowans are telling me that when I'm home, they're tired of their money being treated like monopoly money here. Um, and, and people are very conscious of the fact now that the government spending has um, gotten to a point where with these trillions and trillions of dollars in proposed spending packages, um, you know, the spending spigot is on. So um, we're trying to tighten that and turn it off and um, continue to tell that story about how these policies are going to be damaging um, projects that Iowans don't necessarily want or need. And um, so I'm advocating for what I'm hearing on the ground that Iowans actually want and need. Um, and yeah. uh, I think that's the, the common sense way to do it. And members of Congress should be doing that every day and, and listening to their constituents back home. Look, there's, there's a proper role of government. And actually, the so-called Trump tax cuts, when they came into place, uh, the economy did so well that the revenue to the Treasury went up. Unfortunately, I think what didn't happen, and look, you weren't there, uh, I wasn't there, but they didn't also cut spending. So you have to, right. if we have an urgent need, yeah, we got to spend over here, but then you got, it means you got to cut somewhere else, just like any family or business. Uh, listen, uh, again, we're talking to Ashley Henson, the Congresswoman from Iowa, but I want to get your take on sort of this um, identity politics and that that is at record levels. I mean, it was it was there for when I was in Congress, but the level and the volume of what's going on from the this the radical left part of the of the wing of the Democratic Party is just untenable. I want you to listen to James Carville, notable uh, Democrat who really uh, has helped a lot of people, but particularly um, uh, President Clinton. He was on CNN. Listen to his thoughts on this, and I want to get your quick reaction. We did lose traction with black voters and Hispanic voters. And I think part of that is we got identified by the defund the police and the language police. This whole noisy uh, identity left is 15% of the Democratic Party. We're letting a, a, a noisy wing of our party define the rest of us. And my point is, we can't do that. I think these people are all kind of nice people. I think they're very naive and they're all into language and identity. And that, that that's all right. They're not storming the Capitol, but they're not winning elections. And I think people sort of see this for what it is. And, and people are way more interested in their lives and how to improve them than they are in somebody else's pronoun or something. What's your reaction to that quickly? We've only got a minute here. Yeah, well, I think um, it's very clear that Democrats have lost touch with most of their base and with rural America. Um, we see that in the policies that are being presented, not only here in Washington, D.C., but at state level across the country as well. Um, I'm a former state uh, legislator, too. And, um, you know, I think ultimately, it, again, it comes down to, to listening to people all over all walks of life and the people of the squad. And you talk about the identity politics associated with them. They continue to pull their party further and further and left. And um, that's a lack of political courage in my mind for people not standing up to that, uh, that kind of rhetoric that is wrong for America. Um, look at what's happening in Cuba right now. Um, that's what this uh, group of people is advocating for and trying to pull our country toward. So um, it's a crucial time that uh, we speak up, uh, no matter if you're a Republican independent or Democrat against those kinds of hateful and hurtful policies. Well, I, I think you're absolutely right there. I appreciate your willingness to serve uh, in the United States Congress, taking all that uh, valuable time away from your family and willing to do it. Congresswoman Ashley Hinson from Iowa, thank you again for joining us on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks a lot, Jason. We'll talk soon. We will, and uh, we'll be back with more. Hang in there with us. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. 
Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Here's the deal. We are continuing to wind down the mass vaccination sites that did so much in the spring to rapidly vaccinate those eager to get their first shot and their second shot, for that matter, if they needed a second. Now we need to go to community by community, neighborhood by neighborhood, and oftentimes door to door, literally knocking on doors to get help to the remaining people protected from the virus. That is President Biden wanting to go knock on your door and offer you a vaccine. Now, I got to tell you, that scares the living daylights out of me. Fundamentally, I don't trust the federal government. I think they do certain things really well, like, you know, our Pentagon, our military. Uh, They actually deliver the mail. It's remarkable how a piece of mail moves through the system. But going door to door, trying to talk somebody into taking the vaccine is a bridge too far. I, I really don't believe. Look. At this point, if you don't know about what's going on with COVID-19 and the opportunity to get a vaccine, um, that's a discussion that needs to happen with your doctor, a medical professional, not some government hired official that's going to come knock on your door and say, hey, let's have a little discussion about how you should live your life better. That is such big brother, big government. Can you imagine if Donald Trump was going to send an army of people out to go talk to people door to door, they would be going nuts. It is fundamentally not the proper role of government. There are so many things that could go wrong. There are going to be now so many scammers out there putting together fake badges, knocking on whoever's door under the guise of, hey, let me come on in your house here and let's talk a little bit about vaccines. And you don't know the medical history of these people. You shouldn't be getting in between you and your doctor. That's a very personal choice. It's an American choice. It's something you should make yourself in consultation with a medical professional. I took the vaccine. It's good for me, my wife, but it may not be for you. You make the decision. That's the American way. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. We'll be right back. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Well, it's almost Brian Kilmeade. I'm Jason Jaffetz, uh, Fox News contributor. I served in the Congress for eight and a half years. I was the chairman of the Oversight Committee and honored to be with you today because uh, there's a lot happening in the world. As I like to say, there's always somebody doing something stupid somewhere. So we always have plenty to talk about. And um, I really do appreciate you joining us because we do have some really interesting things to talk about. Um, One of the things that can change of our country and the way we're going is what the Democrats are trying to do with voting and the allegations that they're throwing at Republicans at uh, the other side of the aisle from where the Democrats sit. I think it's just outrageous. I think it's just crazy talk and, and you know, trying to do basic things like eh, we should have voter identification. 
um, maybe we shouldn't have um, vote tabulations, you know, all night long. Uh, maybe we should have some cameras watching the vote talib- calibrations. Um, maybe you should uh, not allow somebody to turn in your ballot for you or collect ballots and turn things in. These seem like common sense things. But to hear the Democrats say it, it's like going to destroy the country. It's just going to, you know, the whole democracy. It's the worst thing that ever happened since the since the Civil War, you know, according to Joe Biden. Let's go to cut three. This is how Joe Biden, the president of the United States, frames what's happening on voting laws. In Texas, for example, Republican-led state legislature wants to allow partisan poll watchers to intimidate voters and imperil and, and impartial uh, poll workers to wait longer to vote, to drive a hell of a lot long, excuse me, a long way f- to get to vote. They want to make it so hard and inconvenient that they hope people don't vote at all. That's what this is about. No, it's not. It's about authenticating the vote. It's about the American way to be able to show a basic piece of identification that says, yes, this is who you are. Look, I have read extensively H.R. 1. In fact, um, you can go back and look through the the last couple of years. Democrats have been preparing for just this moment. The reason they're fighting so hard to get past the filibuster and be able to enact um, these radical voting things that the Democrats want is because they want this power grab. They want to fundamentally change the trajectory of how we vote in this country so that it's federalized. They don't want the states and the locals to be able to do this. They want to be able to to pack who is uh, eligible to do this. They want to basically have a game and a scheme that allows them to to have power in perpetuity. And I, I it's... You know, you can see this coming a mile away, so much so that I wrote about it in a book that I wrote called They Never Let a Crisis Go to Waste, The Truth About Disaster Liberalism. But the left is really clever in how they communicate and how they got a they have a compliant media that will just in perpetuity be able to just spew and regurgitate exactly what they want him to. And I, I think that's so unfortunate. It's so wrong because... They are trying to scare people into this idea that we have to get past the filibuster. The feds have to take it. And what's going on in Texas right now with these lawmakers, think of all the irony there, right? These Texas lawmakers have an opportunity to vote. So what do they do? They get on a private plane. They fly to Dulles there in Washington, D.C., not wearing masks, by the way, like the rest of regular America has to do. And they uh, they put them out there in Washington, D.C., so they run away from the ability to vote because they were addressing a bill about voting. I, it makes no sense to this. But let's go to cut one because Joe Biden, again, I think is trying to scare America and going to extremes like we've never seen before. So we're going to listen to Joe Biden and then Tucker Carlson on his show on Fox News last night reacts to Joe Biden's uh, call that, hey, this is like, the Civil War, which is cut to. There's an unfolding assault taking place in America today, an attempt to suppress and subvert the right to vote and fair and free elections. We're facing the most significant test of our democracy since the Civil War. That's not hyperbole. Since the Civil War. The Civil War? Sound overheated to you? Joe Biden would like you to know 
This is not hyperbole. Voter ID laws are literally like the Civil War. That is habeas corpus suspended. State legislatures shut down hundreds of thousands of Americans dead in fields. That was the Civil War. Biden made it clear that's what he meant. He said it twice. When was the last time a sitting American president gave a speech like this? Well, probably not since the 1860s during the actual Civil War. So it's hard to know how to process it. Even allowing for the dementia, it was a stunningly irresponsible thing for an American leader to say out loud, dangerous even. Spot on. Tucker Carlson, it was absolutely spot on. It was terribly irresponsible. It was terribly inaccurate. And you've seen the exasperation by a lot of Texas officials. We saw the same thing with the governor um, and others in uh, Georgia, Governor Kemp there, expressing frustration because what you don't see the Democrats do is to actually point with any degree of specificity exactly what it is that they disagree with. So if you want to argue on the merits of a bill and say this is oppressive, this is wrong, then tell us exactly what that is. But you don't hear those Democrats do that. Instead, you hear the Democrat lawmakers that fled Texas um, and they're singing songs. They're just talking about how wrong it is. They keep throwing out Jim Crow like you know, there's a lot of Americans. I don't think they even know what that is or what that means, but they keep throwing these allegations that this is somehow a really racist type of move. Um, look, we had major league baseball last night. Um, it, the all-star game was played in Denver, Colorado, instead of Atlanta, Georgia, Democrats advocated and said, Hey, you know what? We want to actually get rid of the game there because, you know, there should be a consequence for Georgia passing such an egregious bill and, on voting rights. But again, they can't point to anything with that's specific enough to uh, it, anyway. It's just fundamentally totally wrong. It is an overreach. I think America knows that. And by the way, in Arizona, hats off to Arizona between the attorney general um, and some of their state legislators. Uh, they went to court um, because Democrats really wanted to have the ability to do what's called ballot harvesting. Ballot harvesting is when they can go out and collect ballots um, and then turn them in. I mean, what could possibly go wrong there? Well, the Supreme Court ruled on that, said, no, you can't do that. The other thing that they fought on was um, if you are in a particular precinct, you should have to vote in that precinct. And Democrats said, no, you should be able to vote wherever you want. Well, you know what? Um, Justice Alito was pretty articulate in saying that's a common burden that's been there for a long time and it's not a bridge too far. And so, no, you're going to have to vote in the precinct that you're in. That What the Democrats have largely advocated is to get rid of all these cards like voter identification, voting in your specific precinct, those types of things to authenticate the vote. And that is really one of the fundamental differences. Do you or do you not authenticate the vote? Well, that will continue to play on. It is a big, big issue, obviously. But one of the other big issues that's uh, going on that I want to segue into is what's going on at the border, because this is not an issue that is going to go away. And I want you to listen to Senator Tom Cotton. This is cut 18 uh, the uh, Republican senator from Arkansas, he was on America's Newsroom. Listen to his comments on what he sees happening at the border. 
This crisis is about to get a lot worse. It is the result of Joe Biden's rhetoric and his policies. First, he promised open borders in the campaign. All those migrants heard it. Second, he reversed a lot of highly effective policies, most notably the Remain in Mexico policy. But now we're about to have a, a situation where the Democrats are going to pursue amnesty in their coming budget bill. This is the word we've been getting over the last couple of weeks. The Democrats want to include a massive amnesty mm. in that legislation. That will simply act as a bigger magnet for more illegal immigration into this country. Senator Tom's cotton uh, raising the raising the concerns. Um, stay with us because we're going to bring in George P. Bush. He's the Texas Land Commissioner. He's also a candidate for the Texas Attorney General spot. Um, and he just had a press conference uh, about some interesting things that he's trying to do on the border. So stay with us and we'll be back with George P. Bush. Holding our politicians' feet to the fire, no matter who they are. That's Brian Kilmeade. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, this is Jason Chaffetz. I'm filling in for Brian Kilmeade, and we are thrilled to have on the line with us uh, George P. Bush. He's the Texas Land Commissioner. He's also a candidate for the Texas Attorney General spot. And, uh, Commissioner, we, uh, we're, we're thrilled to have you on. Thanks for joining us. Great to be with you, Jason. Hey, I, I know you got a deep concern about the border that's going on there, and just in the last, oh, gosh, hour and a half or so, you've had a press conference because uh, – you're actually going to go to the courts and try to make a difference there. Tell us what you're doing and how you think this is going to be effective on the, the war, or the fight that's on there on the border. So during the Trump days, Congress appropriated $5 billion to help rehab, reconstruct, or newly build 750 miles of, of wall, which uh, a lot of it would have targeted highly trafficked areas, including right here in the Rio Grande Valley. Uh, regretfully, because of uh, the Biden inaction on securing our border, um, we are going to go to court. Uh, the state of Texas owns about 200,000 acres at or near border areas, including one unfinished area of two miles where here in Stark County, uh, we're part of a three-county area where 40 percent of all illegal immigration on the entire southern border occurs, if you can believe that. So this is a highly trafficked area. It's a funneled area because of the Biden inaction. So we're filing suit in federal court here in the Southern District of Texas, and we're going to compel the deadbeat bureaucrats to actually spend the money that was appropriated by Congress. President Biden's entitled to his difference of opinion on securing the border, but he can't look the other way and ignore the law that was passed duly by Congress. Yeah, that's always been one of the frustrations is, look, I I, I believe there should be reforms to our immigration laws. I'm happy to work with people in a bipartisan way. When I was in Congress, I was on the Judiciary Committee. I was on the Immigration Subcommittee. Um, but there is a duty and an obligation to actually abide by the current law. You can't just say, well, I don't like that one. So, you know, I don't have to abide by that. I can just do it my own way. But that really is what's happening here, isn't it? That's absolutely right, whether it's the actual border wall construction issue, which my lawsuit pertains to, or the remain in Mexico policy in visiting with Border Patrol officials up and down the border. Uh, they share with me consistently that's the number one 
area that uh, Biden has changed that's resulted in this um, sad message of uh, hope that Biden and Harris somehow are providing to people from the Northern Triangle and abusing the asylum loopholes that's inc- resulting in the largest surge of illegal immigration in, in modern American history. So, um, you know, we're going to you know, bring the suit not only against Biden, but against Mayorkas to um, actually follow through on the laws that are on the books and a process that you're very familiar with uh, because of your great service in Congress, that once you pass a law, you've, you're under the Constitution as a president, you can't just look the other way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, talk to us about the the, the human toll. Uh, you know, the Democrats always like to play the compassion card. You know, they they tend to say, "Hey, Republicans, evil, bad, uh, racist. Uh, Democrats, compassionate and understanding and tolerant." But when they essentially invite people to come across the border and make this trek, which could be thousands of miles, um, there's a real human toll that that isn't often told by the traditional media. That's absolutely right. The policies of the current administration are resulting in a humanitarian crisis. We're seeing sex trafficking, human trafficking spike in a state like ours. One of the fastest growing crimes right now is the recycling of young children that cartels can make a fortune off of because it's considered a recyclable asset as opposed to narcotics. And because of this false hope, which even the president of Guatemala said is the wrong policy and is attracting people from his country, um, is resulting in, in a misfortune uh, in public policy on our, on our southern border. So in our lawsuit, you'll see that uh, Mr. Keith Hawkins, our, our tenant's a, you know, a longtime multi-generational cotton farmer whose crop has been destroyed because of the migrants. Uh, Border Patrol agents this morning rounded up about 150 migrants on his acreage before our press conference. Uh, and we have the photos to show that um, there's an economic toll. There's a human toll. Um, child and sex slavery is spiking. And um, and there's no sense of urgency from this president or the vice president. Um, with VP Harris trip, I think she spent more time in the air than she did on the ground when she came to Texas. Yeah, it's kind of embarrassing, isn't it, that you have the vice president, the person who's supposedly in charge of this. Why, why won't she come meet with you or go to... Go to actually the Rio Grande Valley, like you said, where so much of this illegal immigration is happening. That's what I did. You know, when they said, hey, where should you go? Um, I went over to the Yuma sector. I was over by Nogales there in Arizona. But then I went over to Texas. And, you know, you have some people on both sides of the aisle that actually even Democrats like Henry Cuellar who actually say, look, this is a problem, folks. That's absolutely right. And he, he needs to be commended for uh, standing up against this caucus and saying, look, this is a, a real security situation, not just for border communities, but nationally. And it's it's very simple in terms of what we can do in the here and the now. We can just release the funds to the Corps of Engineers to complete another 300 miles. We can restore the Remain in Mexico policy, restore a sense of order, because you can do the math with 200,000 apprehensions on a monthly basis with only 18,000 Border Patrol agents processing many of these individuals multiple times, it's overwhelmed our system along with HHS, our immigration judges. Now the notice to appear before an immigration judge is in excess of three years. Um, The situation is out of control and no sense of urgency. And it's going to require new leadership in D.C. to, to turn things around. Yeah, the number of immigration judges, a whole other thing. I could talk to you for hours about this. 
Uh, we're talking to George P. Bush, uh, Texas Land Commissioner. I'm glad you're on top of this. I'm glad you're filing suit. I think this is the way to get after it because I think a reasonable judge looking at this will say, you know what, uh, they are going to have to follow the law, and the Congress had appropriated the, appropriated the money, and it should be spent. Uh, so hats off to you there. But I want to get your real quick take. I've only got a minute or so. Um, on the Texas walkout, what, what's your immediate kind of top-line reaction to these Texas Democrat lawmakers going off to Washington, D.C.? Fox News is being told now that they, they're trying to secure a meeting with, uh, you know, Senator Cinema and Senator uh, Manchin to try to get them to twist their arm on, on the filibuster. But what's, what, what's your top line on what's happening there? Well, only in politics can somebody quit their job walk away from their their boss and be rewarded for it. Um, you know, I think it's disgraceful that they're quitting their job for the second time. They quit their job at the end of the regular session. We will pass this bill. We will ensure voter integrity in Texas. Um, it's only a matter of time. So why waste resources? Why waste the uh, the concentration of our, of our state government and get back to the job? Um, and let's let's get back to work and take on the issues that the governor's called us to to address in the special session. So, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. it's a sign of the times. It's Jim Crow 2.0. They've played the race card on it. But we're going to do yeah, the right I, and stand for what Texans believe. I got a hard out here. George P. Bush, congratulations on the lawsuit. I hope you're successful. Thanks for joining us on the Brian Kilmeade show. Stay with us. There's more to the show. We'll be right back. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. We did lose traction with black voters and Hispanic voters. And I think part of that is we got identified by the defund the police and the language police. This whole noisy uh, identity left is 15% of the Democratic Party. We're letting a, a, a noisy wing of our party define the rest of us. And my point is, we, we can't do that. I think these people are all are kind of nice people. I think they're very naive and they're all into language and identity. And that, that that's all right. They're not storming the Capitol, they, but they're not winning elections. And I think people sort of see this for what it is. And, and people are way more interested in their lives and how to improve them than they are in somebody else's pronoun or something. Well, that was James Carville, Democrat, notable Democrat on CNN, talking about the noisy identity left. Um, I'm Jason Chaffetz filling in for Brian Kilmeade. Thanks for joining us on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, we're honored to have uh, Congressman Andy Biggs uh, from Arizona joining us. He's from the He's on the House Judiciary Committee. He's the chairman of the House Freedom Caucus. Um, But he's also somebody I got to serve in Congress with when I was in Congress back in the day. So welcome to Congressman Andy Biggs. Thanks for joining us. Jason, good to be with you. Good to be with you. And we miss you in Congress. Well, thank you. You know, there's that saying, friends don't let friends run for Congress. So, um, but, you know, so (laughs) I I worry if somebody says, hey, come on back or, you know, we miss you. Like, (laughs) Yeah, there's there's always comfort in numbers, but it's um, you know it, it it's a tough place to be. But I'm glad you're willing to serve, and you're certainly an outspoken voice. I've I've got a podcast called Jason in the House. I dive deeper into Andy and his background, and how did Andy Biggs, the congressman, become who he is, and why is it that he kind of thinks what he thinks, and 
Um, if you get anywhere you listen to podcasts, Jason in the house, you can you can hear that. But I, I want to get your your comments and reaction to James Carville because I think he hit on it that you know um, the Democrats are being identified as defund the police. That's because they've advocated for these policies, um, and people and voters are starting to recognize that today's democratic party that's not yesterday's democratic party this has turned out to be a pretty radical left-leaning socialist oriented party at this point yeah i think that's true i think carville's day may have may have passed but he certainly has a good view of this i mean an accurate view i think uh, it's only 15 20 percent of of the entire democrat party but but oddly enough the democrats in congress are far more radical to the left than the parties. I mean, think of everything from CRT, that's an issue, election integrity, you got them backing away from that. James Clyburn yesterday said no Democrats ever opposed voter ID, uh, you know, and election integrity. <laughs> think about that. <laughs> I mean, it really is funny. I, you have to laugh out loud because it's so absurd. Yeah, but I mean, you, I mean, you throw in things like um, the border that they that they have an open border policy, and they're not going to change that policy. Yeah, the the new green or the green new deal stuff that they're doing. Uh, how about a three and a half trillion dollar reconciliation package that Chuck Schumer is Whoa. is offering up? Uh, I mean, these these are such radical uh, movements. And and people feel this stuff. So you got inflation, you got gas prices, prices at the pump. Guess what? That's what people see. They see that you know you're paying a dollar more per gallon. How about how about just costs going up on on fast food? I mean, I mean, I go through fast food and it, it just keeps going up. Why? Because their costs go up, their labor costs are going up. Jason, I saw um, an ad yesterday. As I was driving through through the valley here, and I'm talking Valley of the Sun that Jason's real familiar with, and guess what? I, they're offering 16 bucks an hour at a fast food restaurant to work wow. there when the 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 state minimum wage is like 11 and a half or something like that. But I mean, they can't get people to work. Well, and they they react with this exasperation as if what happened? You know, it's their policies that they started to institute that are causing these pain energy. Yeah. Well, guess what? When you stop drilling on federal lands and you get rid of the pipelines and you do all, guess what happens folks, you have less supply and the price will go up. But I think secretly, I think the Democrats, particularly the far left, are really quite comfortable with this because remember it was Senator Bernie Sanders who by the way is not a Democrat he's a registered independent because he thinks the Democrats are too far to the center but he's he's pulled these Democrats over to his side he is winning in many regards remember he's the one that said you know what Joe Biden he's going to be the most progressive president in the history of our nation and so far, first six months, I think the report card is, yeah, he's actually going to that radical left side of the wing of the party. No, you're so right. I mean, uh, it's it is. I never would have thought that the squad would have the ability to control the policy that's uh, emanating from the from the House. But but Biden's right there with him, and uh, Kamala Harris, they're right there. They're all over on that left side. And well, to- uh, you know, it's just. I'm kind of interrupting here, but to that point, you're exactly right, because these people will say and advocate and push policies that are so radical, but there's never a pushback from the White House. You don't see a pushback from the mainstream Democrats. 
It's they just go along to get along, and I, and I'm telling you, it is dangerous. Listen to this quote. This is cut nineteen from your colleague Rashida Talib and what she's advocating as it relates to immigration. We must eliminate funding for CPB, ICE, and their parent organization, DHS. These agencies are inept uh, to humanely guiding migrants through our immigration system and further continue, instead they further continue to terrorize migrant communities. I mean, this is just but one of the, I mean, that's just last week. One of these radical ideas, get rid of Homeland Security, get rid of Immigration Customs Enforcement, get rid of uh, the Border Patrol, Get, get rid of the Border Patrol. No Border Patrol. She doesn't want any Border Patrol. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, if you get rid of DHS, it's not just the Border Patrol agents, which are between ports. You get rid of the customs agents, which which inspect the ports. You get rid of ICE, which in, enforces the, the immigration laws. But they also they take away criminally violent illegal aliens and, and turn them over for deportation processes. But if you get rid of DHS, think of all the agencies that are under DHS, which are designed to uh, actually secure and protect the homeland. And and I would say that she doesn't know what she's saying, but she does know exactly what she's saying. That well, this she is so radicalized. Well, this is the point. You're right. Get rid of Homeland Security. That means you want to get rid of the United States Secret Service. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Are you telling me you're going to have President Obama, President Biden with no security apparatus in place? And you know what? But here's the problem. There's not a single Democrat on the on their side of the aisle that will call it out. They're pushing the buttons. They're pushing the legislation. And it, they know that if you don't go along with them, it's threatening. Now, part of that dynamic, isn't it, is that Nancy Pelosi only has a four-seat majority in the House. She can't afford to lose these radicals. Well, that's right. She can't afford to lose them. But but by the same token, she can't afford to, to um, empower them. And she has totally empowered them. She goes along with them on all of this radical stuff. So you you're, you end up like if you're Spanberger in a tight district in Virginia, guess what? You're the one who's saying, you guys are killing me. You're killing me in my district. I, we're going to lose elections because of this, and we'll lose the majority. And she's probably right. No, they, there's absolutely – this is one of the fundamental problems and challenges that they have is that they've taken on these radical, radical ideas – um, and then there is no pushback along the way. And so, you know, what are we going to do in terms of communicating? That's what I think the, the problem that the Democrats have. And it goes back to what James Carville was saying. And he's saying, look, we've got to get away from we don't really believe in defunding the police. But we got montages of Democrats time after time after time saying we want to defund the police. You actually had. Uh, just last year, it was Kamala Harris who was working on this radical bail reform to cashless bail and bringing people, getting off at these people that were rioting in the streets. They were arrested and incarcerated, and she was raising money to bail them out to get them back into the riot as fast as possible. I mean, this is the today's Democratic Party, Andy. Yeah, that's right, Jason. They're 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 totally they're they're unhinged in so many ways. I mean, and it starts at the top. You know, we were just talking about how President Biden doesn't. There's no pushback from him. There's very little pushback from the Democrat Party as an institution or an organization at all. President Biden, don't forget, on the defund police, 
he said he was perfectly fine with reallocating um, yeah. uh, uh, police funding to to social service funding. So that's that's where they are. And it's these are the eighty twenty. These are some of the eighty twenty issues, Jason, that Republicans have to use because uh, the suburban housewife, the independent voter, the the more conservative Democrat or moderate Democrat, they don't agree with the Democrat Party anymore. They agree well, actually fundamentally with with the Republican Party. Well, and I think that's why the Democrats are pulling out all the stops, doing everything they can to scare America and scare those the Democratic senators like Cinema from your state of Arizona and Manchin and trying to overcome the filibuster because I think they understand and know in their heart of hearts that if they don't change the way we vote in this country to give them an advantage, they're probably going to lose. Their policies are not winning. It's they're losing and people are having a hard time. Like, what has Joe Biden actually done to benefit us in the first six months of his presidency? I don't I think if you gave everybody a piece of paper and say, give us the top three accomplishments in the first six months, you'd have a lot of blank pieces of paper coming back. But Joe (laughs) Biden is helping to lead the charge in trying to scare Americans about voting. Let's go to cut five. Listen to what he said here in Philadelphia. Attorney General Merrick Garland announced that the United States Department of Justice is going to be using its authorities to challenge the onslaught of state laws undermining voting rights in old and new ways. The focus will be on dismantling racially discriminatory laws, like the recent challenge to Georgia's vicious anti-voting law. The Department of Justice will do so with a voting rights division that my request is doubling its size and enforcement staff. I mean, he's really weaponizing the Department of Justice, but it didn't go so well when the Supreme Court ruled on what happened in, in, in Arizona. Yeah, that's that, no, that's right, Jason. I mean, just, just a quick comment gets back to what Clyburn said. The law in Georgia was basically a voter ID law and and a stop it a vote vote trafficking law you know i mean uh and those types of things that go on and the courts have upheld these and they've upheld Arizona and they've upheld Arizona's audit and and the audit's going is already producing some interesting results and and you know what's going on is is 80% of americans say there should be voter id the, the only the radical left, the Biden administration, and I, I, I'm really concerned about what you just said because I think you're right. Biden's going to weaponize the Department of Justice. I think it's already weaponized, and uh, and if they're going to use it to to um, suppress these these uh, voter laws that are being passed, they forget their own history because it was over the last three years before 20 the 2020 election that the Democrats sent out a squad of lawyers to um, litigate in over 30 states to change the voter laws to um, so to try to ease up on some of the the voter ID or the anti-ballot harvesting or the you know to uh, the the uh, mail-in ballots trying to make those more secure they went about easing those so that uh, you it would made it easier to cheat quite frankly well, and this is the deep concern is that this is the effort that they're going to try to make because, you know, as I pointed out many times, the Democrats never come with specifics about what they think is voter suppression. They just take this top line, oh, it's scary, oh, it's wrong, 
And now you have these lawmakers leaving Texas because, again, they can't point to anything specific. I've only got a few seconds left, but let me play you this clip, cut six. This is not an issue that is about Democrats or Republicans. The courage and the commitment and the patriotism that you all have evidenced. Defending the right of the American people to vote is as American as apple pie. That's Kamala Harris, the vice president. But you know what? That apple pie is also about making sure that we've got legal, lawful people able to vote, correct? That, that's exactly right. Uh, when, when you protect the, the ballot box, you're protecting a, a sacred institution in this country, and you make sure that only people who are legally entitled to vote vote. And that's that's what we're talking about. Running away, with uh, flying off, which that's, with, that's a whole other thing, Those the, the, that group of uh, right, folks right. that left Texas. I mean, but, but this this notion uh, – that if you want people to have vote, you know, have an identification to vote or stop ballot harvesting or some other other issues that we know that exist, somehow they say that's akin to Jim Crow or akin to KKK. That's what they always bring up. It's they they tie it to race and they say it's suppression, but it's not because that's why it's 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 sixty eight percent of of blacks support voter ID. That's why seventy. Uh, Five uh, percent plus of Latino support voter ID. They know it's necessary, and they they don't like the patronizing uh, argument that this is racially motivated because they know it's not. They know well, it, they want Dem- their ballot, their vote to be counted. Democrats are taking this way too far, and I hope people look and dive into it. Listen, we've uh, been uh, grateful, Congressman Andy Biggs, the congressman from Arizona, has been joining us. Thanks for joining us today on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Stay with us. We'll be back right after this challenging conventional thought and wisdom you're with brian kilmeade radio that makes you think this is the brian kilmeade show the greatest honor of my life was in montreal in 1976 when i was selected to carry the american flag for the u.s olympic team leading into montreal stadium and the American flag is iconic. Um, it's, it, it doesn't just represent the greatest country in the world. It represents and symbolizes millions of Americans who have worked hard, who have sacrificed, some of them with, with their own lives. I mean, Gary has a cousin, on my nephew, who gave his life as a Navy SEAL five years ago in Iraq for our country. Um, that American flag means so much. No one has the right to change that other than U.S. Congress. And to me, it's disrespectful to even consider changing the American flag. That was three-time Olympic uh, medalist uh, Gary Hall Sr. talking about his love of the flag. And he was on Hannity last night because Hannity was able to uncover the idea that the Olympic Committee for the United States of America was actually working towards changing the symbol of our nation on the Olympic flag. Instead of using the red, white, and blue, the traditional stars and stripes that is the country flag for the United States of America, they were going to come up with a different depiction because I don't know all their motivations, but somehow some people have said, oh, it triggers them, that they feel unsafe, that it represents hatred and other things. And oh, how wrong, wrong, wrong they are. So I was glad to hear from that Olympian. 
Um, the United States of America is still the greatest country on the face of the planet, bar none. We have problems, we have challenges, but the flag is something that should unite us. Nobody should be triggered by it. We should all be proud of it because it represents freedom, liberty, opportunity, and it is the greatest nation on the face of the planet. It's done more to create prosperity and freedom than anywhere else. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.